welcome to the inaugural episode of TripCast, the flagship podcast of the Lacrosse Tribune. This is where we'll talk about the top stories our journalists are covering each week and offer a behind-the-scenes look at how we do what we do. I'm Scott Rada, digital news editor of the Lacrosse Tribune. This week, I'm joined by two journalists from the Lacrosse Tribune. I am Jordan Vianne, the city government reporter here for the Tribune for the past couple of years. And I'm Elizabeth Beyer. I'm the data, interactive, and video journalist here at the Trib. And you're pretty new. Yeah, I've been here for about a month, so I'm not sure how much I'm going to have to add on the uh, the topic at the moment. Well, we'll be sure to put you on the spot as we go along. Um, one of the big things that people are talking about this week here in the lacrosse area is uh, a new look at some proposals being offered Wednesday night by the Lacrosse Center. This has been going on, well, since about 1980. And uh, Jordan kind of did some digging this morning and wanted to talk a little bit about how uh, the Lacrosse Center came to be and more importantly, what it might look like going forward. So to understand this entire project, you need to know that the city owns the Lacrosse Center. This isn't, you know, some sort of corporate welfare thing. Like this is a city run, city owned convention center. The city built the convention center in 1980, moving the Mary E. Sawyer Auditorium from, you know, somewhere from the east of downtown over to the banks of the Mississippi River. And, but it was, with the weird thing, we, we joke about this sometime, though, when the center opened in 1980, it almost acted like the river wasn't there. Shockingly, the river was there first, despite the fact that all of the... When it was built, all of the windows and all of the entrances all faced the opposite direction. <laughs> they all, all looked at 2nd Street, which is not a bad street, but not certainly as iconic as one of the world's largest riverways. That's right. In 2000, it was expanded to uh, at the South Hall, which uh, is basically where all of, most of their trade shows and exhibitions happen. And at a ballroom, which, you know, is... For conventions. And that ballroom has, you know, floor-to-ceiling windows that overlook. Riverside Park and the Mississippi River. And, and, and again, the time that was uh, opened in 2000, around in the late 90s, for the first time since the Lacrosse Center existed, they were running in a bit of a debt. And, and there was a, some, some city leaders got together and said, the way we're going to turn this around is to make our center bigger and better. And that's why the ballroom in South Hall have been were added, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone out there who says those were not good ideas. Exactly. I mean, basically, since those were added, the lacrosse center has been breaking even or making money, which did not happen before. So that opened in 2000, and, and you know, for you know, there were some small sort of upgrades here and there, but, you know, really the, the there had been talk for a few years um, about the need to expand even more, and we saw a first look at that sometime last year. The current expansion began in 2014, to be. The, the, or the plan for the current expansion. Like, they, they developed a concept that they released in late 2017. They spent, you know, probably a good six months sort of refining that. They went back and forth to a couple city boards, including the park board, because the concept called for a 27-foot-tall overhang over Riverside Park. And and clearly, uh, it seemed like as this went through the process, there that was, from what I could tell, the public's biggest concern with this plan was it 
uh, basically encroached on, at least in a high above way, uh, the most iconic park in the city of La Crosse. And, and I think is it fair to say that council members and the mayor uh, heard from folks loud and clear that they did it like that? That is accurate. Uh, the other major issue was the price. And explain how, you know, originally this was supposed to be uh, around a $42 million project? That's right. Uh, they, back in 2016, the Lacrosse Common Council at the time voted to approve $35 million in bonding for this project. They said, this isn't a priority. We understand we need to expand to keep customers coming to us. And we'll give you 35. And if you can come up with more than that, that's your budget. Uh, they did come up with more than that. The lacrosse center had $2 million already set aside and they applied for a tourism grant from the state of Wisconsin and received $5 million that was approved by Governor Scott Walker last year. So all told that brought the price, that brought the approved price tag to? $42 million. But this project we spoke about a few minutes ago that kind of went up and over Riverside Park cost about? $49 million. And was that also one of the reasons why the mayor uh, used his veto pen? Absolutely. That was a big driver for him. His view was that $35 million was the most the city could afford without you know, really having to cut down something else to offset the increase in what this would do to the debt service levy. And that veto was this summer. That, and that was in July. And I believe the mayor said two things. One, I'm going to veto this. But two, we need to still do something. So come back and, and, and told the lacrosse center board to you know put pen to paper and come back with a new plan and in effect that process started again a new last or earlier this week is that right oh well i mean <laughs> at least well at least we saw we saw the first look at what this new plan looks like yes the new plan started literally the day after the council failed to override the veto the lacrosse center board met that morning they said to ISG and Gensler, the architecture firms that they have hired to do this, they said, you know, we have three main objectives throughout this entire time. We want to catch up on our deferred maintenance. We want to take advantage of the views to the west. And we want a front of a building that no longer looks like a 70s era high school. <laughs> and so they, they brought uh, early look you can find the, the sort of these early schematics on our website, but two different versions um, that kind of expand in two different directions? That's right. They have, you know, differentiating these between the north and the west. Both of these are going to take down the north hall as it sits right now. They're going to replace it with, you know, they'll have an exhibition hall, they'll have a ballroom, there's a couple different sizes. The one to the north is a bit smaller. It uh, squeezes in there between the Pearl Street walkway, you know, like that connects Pearl Street and downtown to Riverside Park and the building where it is now, like the arena. The other one is to the west, which admittedly people might be a little leery of, but it absolutely stops at Front Street. 
There was no going over. There's no going into the park. It stops at Front Street. And did you get a sense that there were, the public was invited to this last night. People were combing over some of these early plans. Did you get a sense from the folks who were there if folks, people were gravitating toward one over the other? They want to have a ballroom where the wall, where the walls look out over the park. And that's, and that's what that offers. The west one has the whole lengthwise looking out over the park. And as I'm sure anybody who's been following this remembers, um, the, the, the one that encroached up and over the park, uh, the design, you know, not only did it go over the park, but sort of the big white box, or some people called it a spaceship or other sort of things. I, is it safe to say that the architecture designers are going to be a little more careful as they kind of refine these plans moving forward and get a better look and feel of how this is actually going to appear if it's approved in our downtown? Absolutely. They've already started. I mean, they they don't have materials, of course, because they literally just get concepts. They have surveys where people can go and look at, you know, four pictures and be like, I like the feel of this one versus the feel of that one. And they're going to have three more public input sessions, just like the one they had on Wednesday, where anybody no matter who they are, can come in and they can make their voice heard. They can say, you know, I want the exterior to be brick, I guess. Like, I want the exterior to be, to match the rest of the building. Like, And that is, that was a common complaint that, you know, that about the last go around is that many people thought the design did not match the character of the rest of the downtown. Exactly. And, you know, they're going to get the chance to weigh in on what kind of architecture they want to see for the finishes. Uh, now, I know you kind of have, uh, you mentioned the next couple sessions where people can can weigh in on and share their ideas. Sort of give, give folks listening an idea of sort of the process beyond that. Well, it's, it is, they're hitting the ground running right now. And the next two weeks, the Lacrosse Center Board is going to meet and decide which concept they want to recommend. About a week after that, there's going to be another public input session where people can weigh in on the exterior of the building. There'll be another one a few weeks later on the interior of the building, and there'll be another one to like answer whatever questions happen to be coming up at that point. The uh, goal is to have a concept before the city's finance and personnel committee in January, and then it'd be voted on by the Common Council as a whole, the second week in January, second Thursday to be precise. <laughs> and of course, if things go and follow that schedule, which is still an if, mm -hmm. and if it gets approved and the mayor this time uh, does not veto the plan, um, do they have an estimate yet how, how quickly they'd like to start uh, uh, breaking ground? Uh, the hope is that they could get started on maintenance first. They want to get started working on their maintenance issues in April. And the actual expansion part would not start until January, 2020. So just over a year from now. Yes, if all goes well, a year from now, they'll be breaking ground and building a second ballroom. And um, as we said in, in the Lacrosse Tribune podcasting room with us is Elizabeth, who, although she's only been here a month, she has a chance to 
head over to the lacrosse center she uh, was there for the uh, thanksgiving community thanksgiving dinner which has been held there i think since just about the lacrosse center was built and this was your first time there elizabeth walking in and, and spending some time there what was your take on this facility well it it definitely uh aesthetically it leaves something to be desired um walking in i kind of felt like i was going into a partially closed mall strip mall from like maybe the 90s uh not trying to be too brutal but the architecture was pretty brutalist <laughs> from the outside um and it, it it definitely could use a fresh coat of paint if not much more than that and and, and you've spent some time here in the month you've been here does it feel to you like it fits in with the rest of downtown lacrosse it you know it really doesn't like downtown lacrosse is very it's kind of quaint it's um it kind of harkens back to what traditional or like old uh river towns look like you know the the red brick walk-ups and um like side by sides with alleys i'm not exactly sure like what that's called but downtown lacrosse is very it's very picturesque it's very quaint it's very beautiful especially you know with christmas lights or holiday lights and like the snow coming down it's just it's very picturesque and then you have this uh you know flat beige building in the middle of that that's just kind of like it's almost an eyesore and and i guess that's uh something we kind of glossed over but you know well what elizabeth saw when she went down to the thanksgiving dinner a couple of days ago you know when this project is all done will the front of you know the second street side of the building look remarkably different or is that still too early to tell one of the priorities going forward is changing that front of the building to be both more functional and more attractive <laughs> and i know that you know they at least in the previous concept they sort of feel like that what they optimistically call the plaza is is which is sort of that big paved area in front is in a lot of ways sort of unused or wasted space. Do, do some of these projects use some of that a little bit differently? Uh, both of them do. Both of these concepts will take up some of that space and alter it. The, their plan is to add a front entrance, a you know pre-function space with concession stands and restrooms and that will connect, it'll connect the north and south sides of the building out without requiring people to walk through the arena. Part of their priority going in here is to make a make the front of the building, the second street side, both more functional and more attractive. And, and, and one thing, I, and you kind of touched on this when we started this, and I think it's important to remind folks though, is why the Lacrosse Center exists and why back in 19, even though it looks and may look even more different than it, it began in 1980, the, in some ways, the purpose of the building still remains the same. And, and the reason the city invested in this and continue to invest in this is to draw people in here for, uh, be, it, be it an evening, be it two, be it three days, be it sometimes longer, because as anybody who's been paying attention to downtown Lacrosse knows, over the past five or so years, we've had a huge number of new hotels and restaurants. And yeah, some of the people in lacrosse go to those restaurants but those places really depend on people coming in from outside our area and there are so many events that happen at the lacrosse center now that a lot of folks don't even know about there's you know kind of statewide conventions that come in of, of of people who have boring jobs 
but they come here and spend three or four days and, and go out to dinner and stay in a hotel and buy some things at our shops. And that is exactly what the Lacrosse Center is for, is to give an economic boost to this region. And yeah, I think, you know, a lot of folks when they think about the Lacrosse Center, think about the occasional comedian or country concert, and, and those are fine. And, and I'm sure the Lacrosse Center is happy to have them come. But I guarantee you, if you talk to anybody who runs a lacrosse center, they will tell you that the reason that exists is to bring people in for multi-night stays because you're introducing people to our region and getting them to stay here and spend a lot of money. Absolutely. All of those people, they, you know, they stay at hotels, they buy food at our restaurants, they go to our downtown stores. And having that convention center downtown is a boost to the entire area. The economic impact is in the millions. It's, I think it was 36 million projected for next year. And clearly they hope that this expansion makes that number even bigger once it's all done. Absolutely. And then one last thing um, that we have, we can touch on, then we'll, then we'll move on to some other topics. I think one thing that did come out as uh, recently is that the Lacrosse Center board is open to naming rights now. Is that correct? It is correct that they are looking at naming rights. It's something that they've been considering for about a year now. They are willing to, you know, consider both selling off, you know, the names of particular rooms. You know, we already have the Mary E. Sawyer Auditorium, which is the formal name of the arena. And you know, it could be the Scott Rada Ballroom or the Elizabeth Byer Meeting Room Extravaganza. Right, we're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I've only been here a month. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's take it back a bit. But, but as anybody who's, you know, a sports fan knows, I mean, uh, Green Bay Packers aside, I mean, so many teams play in stadiums that have a corporate sponsorship. The Minnesota Vikings play at U.S. Bank Stadium, the Minnesota Twins play at Target Field, and our Milwaukee Brewers play at Miller Park. All of those have big long-term naming rights with them, and although some people may find it odd, it would uh, not be uh, outside the realm of possibility uh, once this project is done that we have the uh, Festival Food Center or the Quick Trip Center or you know, insert uh, whatever large corporate interest yeah. would be there. <clears throat> yeah, certainly it's not unheard of even in city-run convention centers. Just, if, you know, not too far away in Rochester, they have the Mayo Clinic Convention Center. Because nobody who goes to Rochester knows Mayo Clinic is there. Obviously. <laughs> well, thanks for that update on the, lacrosse, on the Lacrosse Center. Clearly, we can't promise how this will end, but we can certainly promise that Jordan will have coverage on this no matter how it turns out, and you can read her almost every day on, in the Lacrosse Tribune or at www.lacrossetribune.com. This podcast is brought to you by the Lacrosse Tribune. Subscribe to Lacrosse Tribune to support local journalism. Full access rates start as low as $15 per month, and right now we have a special. You won't believe it. You can sign up for digital subscriptions to lacrossetribune.com for $0.99 cents for the first month. For more information, call 1-866-735-5631, or better yet, go to our website and click on subscriptions under the menu and find out how you can become a Lacrosse Tribune subscriber today. 
other things going on at the Lacrosse Tribune uh, this weekend. We're coming out with a special section on Sunday, and it'll be on our website, maybe even earlier. Uh, Mike Ty has put together a look back at the Franciscan Sisters Perpetual Ador Adoration. They've done some major changes. Um, they've been going through uh, kind of divesting themselves of uh, two uh, long-time uh, parts of their ministry, one the hospital and the second Viterbo University, and it's just sort of a look back at all they have done in lacrosse over the years and um, kind of a look ahead at what their mission will continue to be. Mike Ty has done some terrific reporting on that, and I would encourage all of you to uh, take a look online and in print this weekend to learn all about the FSPA. Um, one thing Elizabeth Beyer, maybe the very first thing Elizabeth Beyer got to do when she uh, came on board was sort of resurrect our restaurant inspection database. We had taken a couple months off and uh, you've been digging into that and so far in the short time here you've published uh, two updates, is that right? I have, and it's been a great way for me to realize where I do not want to eat as a newcomer to lacrosse, but and, also where I do want to eat. And, so. and it's and it's it's one of the more popular things we have online. Um, and I think you know, obviously, we we're, we're back on track now. And I think the plan is that folks uh, can look for that on our website, uh, kind of the second, probably the third or fourth week of every month. And it, there's it's a it's a real neat kind of immersive interactive database where you can go in and search and see how your favorite place is doing, or if you want to check some place out to eat, you might want to look there first. Other things we're working on here at the Tribune, we're going to be selecting our Tribune Person of the Year. Deliberations for that are going to be happening as soon as next week, and you will find out who that person is. Um, in the January 1st edition, and that is a closely held secret, as Jordan can tell you. There are times where we've made the decision and we don't always tell everybody. We try to keep it a secret for as long as we can. Yeah, I did not know who the person of the year was last year until the paper came out. And that's just how we like it. In case you're wondering, for those of you who don't keep track of such things, Dave and Barb Scogan are the reigning persons of the year from the Lacrosse Tribune, but they'll be handing over their virtual crown to a new person. Read about that in the January 1st Tribune. And also, even though we're still a month away from uh, the end of the year, we are still going to be starting to look at some of the top stories of the year, and I'm sure that'll be a topic for an upcoming podcast as we take a look back at some of the biggest stories that have uh, hit our region. We can look at that kind of in two different ways. Uh, one, sort of what we subjectively decide are the most important. I would not be surprised if sort of the lacrosse center saga is part of that. And we can also dig into the web analytics and see which stories people clicked on the most. And uh, spoiler alert, those may not always be the most important stories of the day. Blue baby. <laughs> the blue baby, that may be uh, one of the most talked about stories of the year. Um, Certainly by me. <laughs> And, and also, oddly enough, by the Lacrosse Police Department. It's true. They have amazing blue baby memes. That, and has that continued uh, even though it's gotten colder out? Um, I haven't seen any lately. I think the last one I saw was, uh, was Halloween. That was what I was thinking. So if anybody out there from the Lacrosse Police Department is listening, we want to hear more about your thoughts on the blue baby. So don't let us down. That is all for today. For Elizabeth Jordan and the entire Lacrosse Tribune team, thanks for listening to the very first Tribcast, the flagship podcast 
of the Lacrosse Tribune. Until next time, keep reading. Thank you.